Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Rafi Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 38 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is the longtime editor of PokerStrategy.com, Barry Carter. Beyond the time he's put in at his day job, Barry made quite the name for himself as co-author of four very well-renowned poker books, The Mental Game of Poker, Volumes 1 and 2 with Jared Tendler, and PKO Poker Strategy and Poker Satellite Strategy with Dara O'Kearney. On today's show, we'll find out what drew Barry to a career in poker media, as well as find out a little bit more about his life outside of poker. Barry, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Robbie, good to see you, my friend. Likewise, it's uh, it's been a while. It's good to see you, and you know we've known each other for for quite a while. I know you've you've kind of been around forever in uh, in poker media circles. Um, when, when exactly did your poker media career start? And prior to this current gig with Poker Strategy, what positions did you hold? Um, yeah, I uh, I was very lucky. I uh, I got into poker in two thousand and four ish. <laughs> And um, I just had this compulsion to write when I was picking up the game and learning the game. And at the time, not many people wrote about poker as a vocation. So some uh, blog, which if I were to read it now, I'm sure I'd be mortified by the bad advice that I put into it, was written. And the editor of World Poker Tour magazine contacted me. Wow. We had... um, in the UK, we had a World Poker Tour magazine. I don't think it was a magazine anywhere else. Uh, and just said, could could we buy that from you? And I was like, wow, people will pay for this. I didn't even really know poker magazines existed at this point. So I was like overjoyed. Uh, and ironically, the fee that they paid me back then was probably the highest fee that I would ever then get paid. <laughs> because back in the day, like magazines were a thing and they paid a lot of money relative to, uh, yeah, sure. to the market. So... I um I was working a boring job in insurance at the time, and I was amazed that someone would pay me to write about poker. So I just kept pestering the guy who was the editor of WPT magazine and just said, What about this? What about this? I could write about this, I could write about this. And he wow. was he was really, really happy because I think at the time they struggled to find people that could write poker mm-hmm. content. Right. Um and before you know it, I was kind of like writing most of the articles at that magazine. Wow. So I then contacted other magazines to say, hey, look, I was, I was, I just wrote for the World Poker Tour magazine. Maybe you'd like me to write for this magazine. I think I've written for every paper magazine in poker. Wow. Um, which is a strange accolade now because I, you know, the people watching this probably don't even know what a magazine is. Uh, you know, <laughs> there they, aren't they, that many of them that have survived. There's, till, there's till a lot of many survived and. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so, uh, you know, at one point I started writing for websites as well and um, <clears throat> got friendly with the then editor of Poker News, uh, who then offered me work writing for his website. And then I eventually quit my day job, uh, got a full-time role at Poker News uh, on the UK site. And I used to do copywriting for the main um, Poker News website. Yeah. And um then I just, that's how I carved a career in poker. And eventually I moved up to poker strategy, as you mentioned. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, I saw, I branched out into writing books with people who were much more talented than me. <laughs> well, we'll talk about those folks for sure. It's so interesting. I didn't realize he kind of like almost accidentally stumbled upon this poker media yeah it was it really was a fluke um like i i'm very mindful of the fact that it was a moment of somewhat dumb luck Hmm. that started my career although i'm very pleased with the fact that i then grabbed the ball by the horns as it were and and sort of pushed my advantage when it when it when i when i got one but yeah if if it if not for that moment i'd be doing something potentially very very differently Sure. Well, you said you were selling insurance. I mean, what did you what did you study in university? What did you originally? I mean, you didn't think that poker would be a career that wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily this this niche even fully developed. What did mm. you think you were going to do back in the day? Um, I did media studies at university, which oh. basically means that I wanted to go to university to get drunk for three years and uh, <laughs> picked a course that sounded. Clo- no, I, I I I went to university with no particular 
career plans and then I came out of university with no career plans and got um, what was supposed to be a temp job at an insurance company and I was wow. there for six years. I, I was like a manager at the, by the end of it. You know, it wasn't, I didn't completely just sit around and do nothing. But no, I, I, I'm afraid I'm one of those people who went to university because it was the thing to do and without any sort of grand plan. And I, you know, my advice to my old self would now would have been not to do that, although it worked out really well for me. You know, right. <laughs> if we had a hundred iterations of this, it probably wouldn't be a good thing overall. So, right. Well, you said you, you know, you started this this blog and you know, you just decided to write about it. How did you sort of become familiar with poker in the first place? I think you, you actually played a little professionally, if I remember <clears throat> right. Okay, so I worked at an insurance company and one of my best friends, still one of my best friends, um. Uh, told me about poker and he said he told me he, he watched a film called rounders he started playing on party poker this was when it was very very easy to win at poker so i went around to his house one day and he just showed me him winning 50 dollars playing cash games at poker so i i went home got a party poker account deposited 50 dollars, and lost it in about 10 <laughs> minutes you and millions um, of others i remember those so <laughs> i um yeah uh, he, he and i just spent uh working hours just talking about poker and mm. he was giving me advice on how to play poker and before you knew it i was just consuming all the books and stuff that i could read so i was eventually giving him advice on how to play poker wow. so he kind of created this monster and i um when i um so I, I still quit my job to write about poker not to play poker and what kind of happened for the first two or three years after that was I was playing poker to uh, to supplement my income as well. Now, okay. I'm very careful about how I describe this because I was not particularly great at poker, but the average player was so much worse than me uh -huh. that I was actually doing pretty well at poker. So now, as a pure recreational poker player, I am 10 times better than that guy, but that guy could make money because the games were so easy. <laughs> so I've heard I'm a lot very, of stories about those days. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very careful about at the time I described myself as a semi-professional poker player because I had a kind of delusion of grandeur. But in reality, I was more profitable as a player back then than I am now, even though I'm a significantly better player because the games were so easy. Don't so wow. That, so it's it's because the games were easy, it's not because I was great. <laughs> uh -huh. And, and it was like, but you were also just good enough as well to write about it when also, quite frankly, not too many people were doing so. And you just felt yeah, well, this, this compulsion is the, to write, like you said. This is the thing. Um, I, there was a real opportunity for someone like myself because uh, people were either good at poker or good at writing, but the players who were sort of really good at poker at the time didn't want to create content. Sure. This was back in a time when most of the poker players didn't want to give away their secrets as they were. They, uh -huh. they didn't realize that they could significantly monetize their abilities by making training sites and stuff like people do now. You know, right. it's it's amazing when you think about it as like how reluctant people were to give away poker advice 15 years ago, when now professional poker players will share every single hand that they play on Twitch, sure. not only to their audience, but to their opponents as well. So wow. to see how much it shifted in that time. But sure. at the time, that meant there was an opportunity for plucky writers like myself uh, to fill this big content gap. So it's come full circle now because it's quite difficult for media types like you and I to even do content, you know, like because, you know, the, the really good professional poker players are... I hate to say it, better than us in a lot of respects uh, doing that now. Well, that, that ties into what I was going to ask, though. You were writing strategy content or you were covering the poker world? Because, you know, the, you know the, the Jason Coons and the Jonathan Littles of the world, they're not, you know, reporting on what happened at the WPT Deep Stacks, you know? Yeah, it started as strategy writing for the first 20 or so articles. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I started to get a foothold in the the industry as a whole um i quickly moved more towards the reporting style of things so interviews um i worked for poker news so that meant live reporting right um just gen generic news articles and <clears throat> i was quite glad to not be writing strategy articles by the end of that because you know with every every week that i was in poker i was realizing that i was you know not as knowledgeable as the fact that i was getting paid for uh, strategy advice would suggest 
but you're willing to sit down and, and pen, you know, put pen to paper. So yeah. <laughs> there's what to be said for that. All right. So you're firmly ensconced in the poker world. You're humming along at poker news. And then this sports psychology guy, Jerry Tentler, comes along and says, help me write a poker bestseller. Right. So no, how did, how did, it, how did it really happen? How did the two of you guys meet? Um, uh, Jared, I uh, heard on the 2 plus 2 poker cast. Okay. And he sounded good at what he was he was doing I, he, he sounded um there's a lot of sort of snake oil salesmen in poker where the mental game stuff was concerned i didn't get that vibe from him so i just approached him and asked if he'd like to do an interview with me um and then also suggested to him that maybe he could give me some mental game advice and maybe that could be an article <clears throat> because i was kind of like throwing computer mice across the floor and getting upset whenever i had a bad beat was the real reason that i contacted him <laughs> And um, we hit it off instantly. We have a similar kind of um, bro sense of humor about certain things. Huh. And we, we kind of realized that I was benefiting from getting mental game coaching from him, which he was doing for free. Because I was, because I wrote for so many publications, I was able to get him in lots of publications. So I kind of became his, um, I guess, his publicist. And he became my mental game coach. And it was, a, it was just a very very easy kind of um, sort of relationship there. Convenient was, for both of you. Right? Very convenient. He was helping me. I mean, like as, uh, you know, as questionable as, as I am as a poker player, I do not tilt uh, because of my work with Jared. You know, I'm very just kind of like, oh, I just lost with aces. Oh, well, ho hum. And um, so, uh, you know, once that relationship had been going for, I'd say about a year and we were seeing the benefits and he was getting better known in poker. I think this was probably the other reason he, he decided to put pen to paper uh, to write the book but what jared still kind of was missing was just he wasn't a poker player he it's funny really he kind of he knows a lot of high you could stick jared in a conversation with jason coon and stephen chidwick and he would hold his own in that conversation hmm. you could send jared to a local card room and just give him some cards and he'd still look like an absolute amateur. It's, it's ever so funny that he, there's real sort of gaps in his knowledge. So that's, that's kind of what I was there for. He was, he, he'd have some ideas and I'd say, right, poker players, we'd say it like this. We get upset about this. And, and that's, uh, that's sort of how the back and forth uh, went until we, we had a book. Interesting. I've got to give the shout out to Jared. He was uh, our guest on episode number 35 uh, you know, of this uh, Cards Chat podcast. Always a good opportunity to remind our listeners and people watching. We've got dozens more that, of shows that you can go ahead and listen to and watch after you finish this one. Um, all right. So you're the highly experienced co-author. What was it like writing a poker strategy book for the first time together with Jared? Um. It was hard with Jared. Uh, he, the, the, it's, he, I am somebody, we, we have two styles which complement each other perfectly, but they uh, do not make for, um, they, are natu they naturally go against each other. So I am mm. someone who can get, I'm like, I get excited and I can, I can get 40,000 words written in two weeks or something like that. I am enthusiastic. I am enthusiastic and um, sort of energized, um, but um, I am not uh, as great a sort of finisher of these things. Jared, on the other hand, is very detail-orientated, very thorough. He's a, he's a real perfectionist. So I can get you a book started and get you two thirds away there. And then Jared is the one that actually like sort of really, really works diligently on it to actually sort of make it really good. Whereas I would have, I would have submitted a messy manuscript and so on. So it's two styles that kind of clash, but need each other. Interesting. So you, the, the book took the, a lot uh, longer. The book took do, a lot longer than I wanted it to, but, uh -huh. it's, but you know, and, you know, if you look at the sort of sales rank or the reviews on Amazon, you'll know it was it was worth it. So. Sure. And then you guys, I guess, would do well in the WSOP tag team bracelet events <laughs> like with your with your contrasting styles. 
Well, we're both rubbish at poker, so it probably wouldn't be so great, but yes, yes. That's fair. <laughs> well, and you did release the book on an infamous day. Uh, Black Friday saw the debut of the mental game of poker. We heard from Jared uh, on his episode number 35 from what it was like from his point of view. How about for you across the pond? What was that day like? You you just finished working on this project, or release it, and oh, we don't get yeah, the it, top headlines. It, so. it, I was in the most interesting place in the world when, when Black Friday happened. I was at Dustle Dawn, the best card room in Europe, um, working for Poker News. We were covering a televised cash game called, the, it was a party poker uh, big game. It was like a 36-hour nonstop cash game. Okay. And, uh, and in the background of, at Dustle Dawn, there was a quite a sizable regular poker tournament going on with a big buy-in. So you had... Um, Sponsored players from Poker Stars and Full Tilt playing in the party poker televised cash game at Dustal Dawn, a live card room with uh, a TV crew there and the actual poker community in the background playing poker. Wow. So I was walking through the card room and just noticed that everybody was running up to the media people's laptops and everyone had stopped what they were doing and everybody was congregating around everybody's computers and everyone's like, I'd say the biggest thing that was sort of rife there was people were just laughing in this kind of like, oh, screw my life kind of gallows humor, kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe it's happening. So people were just laughing in disbelief. Um, and everyone started sort of telling each other what was happening. Poker stars and Full Tilt were down. And um, yeah, I got a real snapshot of the entire poker industry in, in one fell swoop. Plus, um, I just written a poker book that took taken the better part of two years. It yeah. was the, in the morning, we had sold something like a hundred copies. So I was and like, obviously, you're not going to sell a hundred copies every day. But we were like, sure. wow, I can imagine if you could sell a hundred copies every day. We were so excited, right? <laughs> and then suddenly, like, wow, I I just couldn't believe it. And the biggest kind of personal sort of uh, impact it had on me was. I knew Jared had spent a lot of money on the book because this is before you, we, we self-published the book, but this was before there were robust print-on-demand options for mm -hmm. self-published authors. So Jared spent a lot of money on the cover designs, the formatting of the book. Oh, um, we printed, I think, 5,000 copies or something like, it, it was something big, I can't remember, because obviously you, you buy in both, the cost per book sure. is very is much cheaper. Of course. So I was just devastated for Jared, because 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 writing about poker was my regular job. I wasn't too concerned about myself at the time. You so Black Friday, that, you didn't say, sorry? "Oh my God, I'm not going to have a job in you know in in, in a week or so." It was that too. Okay. <laughs> it was definitely that too. Okay. I was worried about that as well. Okay, um, especially because I worked for Poker News, who were a mostly U.S. facing live poker operation. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, you know, the but you know most of the industry, like I'd say. 60 or 70% of the revenues in the industry at the time were from poker stars and full tilt. Yeah. So I was very concerned about that. And everybody was everybody was concerned. The, the, the only people who weren't concerned were like the live poker people who were in the in the room that day. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And I um, but yeah, so I, I was I was mostly worried for Jared because it cost him so much money, but and then I was so shocked for my own personal side of things that I was more taking this stoic observer role as just how, like, I remember seeing like Mike Mattisau and this guy called Andrew Feldman, not the, not the ESPN Andrew oh. Feldman. He was, he was a young poker player. They were both sponsored by full tilt. And just, I just remember seeing them across the room and they just looked like they were going to cry. And stuff. Wow. So yeah, I saw everything that day. I, I think I was in the best possible place in the world um, to witness what could have been a career ending sort of moment for us all. Um, the, the one thing I'll say, in hindsight, Black Friday was scarier for the industry by a mile than COVID ever was. Um, oh. I know COVID's been very bad for the live poker industry, and I'm not saying it's, it, it isn't, but it, we were definitely more pessimistic after Black Friday that there'd even be an industry. So we oh. survived that. We can survive COVID, I think. That's uh, well, it's, uh, encouraging words. And, you know, from someone who's been around for as long as you have experienced all the all the highs and all the lows. So it's it's uh, definitely encouraging to hear about that type of resilience. 
And of course, as we know, everything ended up okay. You doubled down, you released volume two of the mm -hmm. Mental Game of Poker a couple uh, years later. Um, what would you say you're most proud of in terms of your work with Jared on those first two books? And also, what would you say are some of the most valuable lessons you learned in the process? Um, I definitely am the most proud of the fact that we still turned it into a bestseller when it, when it looked like it wasn't going to sell any copies at one point. Um, one of the, like we did some stuff, uh, we, you know, we doubled down on the European audience to begin with because they weren't shut out of the, the poker market. Um, because Jared is a mental health counselor, we also used the opportunity to um, make him the kind of counselor to US players. Like we did a lot of stuff about, we did a lot of um, blogs and interviews and stuff about how to mentally handle this unbelievable disruption that was happening. Oh. Um, in a way, it might have been the case that Black Friday is what turned it into a bestseller because it really narrowed our focus. But in terms of marketing, we knew what we could do. We knew what we couldn't do. We probably worked a lot harder, whereas maybe we would have fallen into a trap of some early success with the book and then given up. Right. We ended up promoting both of those books, I'd say, for four years solid. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a classic, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of. A yeah, thing. exactly. Exactly. Fascinating. Wow. All right. Well, I said in the intro that we learned a little bit more about your life off the felt. Uh, you live, I mean, you can't tell those who are watching by that beautiful background there that you live in the UK. Uh, you live in Sheffield, England. I guess it's, uh, you know, you used your one time and got beautiful weather today um, with your wife, Gina, and you've got a dog. I don't remember the dog's name. That's Charlie. Par Charlie. Okay. Charlie, yeah. So other than come up with funny tweets for us, uh, for our amusement, what sort of stuff do you do for fun out in Sheffield? Well, we, what we do is we stay locked in our house for 14 <laughs> months at a time and watch Buffy the Vampire on, on box sets. <laughs> um, do you know what? I, I don't entirely know what we do. I've got this... We'll, as this podcast goes out, we are literally being let out for the first time for pretty much a year. Mm -hmm. And I kind of forgot what we used to do for fun. Wow. Um, I'm really looking forward to sort of seeing my friends on a few nights out and stuff like that. I guess the answer is like, you know, Gina and I, we like city breaks. We like going for nice meals. Nothing particularly um, unusual. I like reading and box sets of sort of American dramas and stuff like that. You're a big um, Seinfeld guy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love, I love comedy, of pretty much sort of stand-up comedy and uh, sitcoms and stuff like that. But no, I, I can't remember what, what we used to do. I mean, funnily enough, I, I kind of fell out with poker for a while as a player. No kidding. Um, wow. Uh, for, I'd say, maybe four or five years. In the last couple of years, I've really, really got back into it, and I'm really enjoying it. And that is one of the benefits of the lockdown. And actually, I've got quite competent at tournaments again um and stuff so we'll be talking but, about that um, yeah. yeah i mean yeah walking my dog and going for a coffee is kind of my thing even though i can't do that anymore because i can't do caffeine anymore but yay it's fun being me <laughs> that's totally fair assessment well i do hope that the next year you're able to rediscover all the things that you had used to enjoy and you'll be able to again mm. uh you know something certainly all of us uh, can, can identify with. Um, before we get back into uh, your book writing, I know you have another side project. Uh, maybe it's kind of sort of been on the shelf for a while, pokermediapro.com. It's a niche site that I always enjoyed reading. Tell us a little bit about that site, Barry, when you started it, why you started it, and what's sort of going on currently with it. Yeah, um, it's... Uh... It's, it's a very small, has a very small but loyal following. I haven't done it for probably just, a, I'd say, a year and a bit. It's probably just at lockdown when I stopped doing it. Um, I used to get contacted quite routinely from people asking how to get into the poker media. Um, actually, I, I, if I went through my old emails now, I, I bet you there'd be at least four or five people that are very well-known people in the media um who contacted me first and i'm not saying it was my advice that uh got them where they are but i probably they, they probably sought me out at least for some of it so i used to get asked how do you get into poker writing mm. and i used to do, write this i used to always give them a detailed reply of um you know do this don't do that contact these people and i just decided one day to turn it into a blog 
And then, you know, that seemed to be quite popular. So I did another blog and another blog. And then I kind of thought, well, this is a good niche thing to have a blog about. So I made the website and it was basically my business card as a media expert. I kind of thought, right, if I just blog occasionally about, um, you know, what it's like in the poker media, nobody's doing that. And then I kind of realized that actually I can interview people who work in the poker media and they can just give me all their secrets for free. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not even joking. I, 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 I was one of the interviewees, I remember. If you go on, you go on to pokermediapro.com, it basically at the end became um, me interviewing people who I think are talented uh, at some aspect of the industry. And I wanted to learn more about that. Um, so, and, you know, as you can tell right now, we like being interviewed, especially when we're usually the ones doing the interviews. So it was, it was just that. And I, um, I've just been a little bit too busy with, um, you know, book projects and stuff like that to, to keep it going. But I've, you know, I keep renewing the domain and, you know, if I ever got fired from poker strategy, I'd probably do maybe try and make something of it. I didn't, I really enjoyed it. And it was, it, like I said, it's, it's a very good business card, if nothing else. I, I have had a lot of work offers from people over the years because of that website. And is I'd say some of the material is quite dated now. You know, I wouldn't particularly trust the first, 30 posts on that site because it's from when we used to write about poker and before audio visual and streaming was such sure. a big thing. Sure. But the latest stuff I think still stands up. Yeah. So, I, yeah I, I, as I said, I've always found it to be an excellent resource. And if there's anyone else out there who's thinking, Hey, you know, there's this stuff that, that we do sounds a little interesting, definitely recommended. Check that site out. Pokermediapro.com. All right. Back to Booksbury, promote, promote, promote. You hooked up with Unibet Pro and Cards Chat Ambassador Dara O'Kearney to write another couple of books. So how did that relationship first come about? Funnily enough, great segue from the, the Poker Media Pro blog. Because, it's almost like um, I prepared these questions. Okay, but yeah, go ahead. You prepared in advance, yeah. Um, <laughs> I once wrote a book, uh, once wrote a blog, sorry, called Poker Books That Have, it was something like Poker Books That Haven't Been Written Yet. And I wrote, um, I, I just like, these are some books that I think would sell and I don't particularly want to write them. And um, one, of, one of the books was like a, an updated book on mixed games. Uh, and um, if you've read uh, Ken Lowe's yep. book on mixed games, he wrote that book after reading the blog. Ah, um, wow. I didn't know. Yeah, he's and it's massive as well. It is a huge book. It's a hell of an undertaking. Like that, in terms of like pride and stuff, little things like that, very proud that something small that I can do can create lead to something like that. And he sent me a signed copy thanking me, you know, for the blog and stuff. So and one of the one of the things that I wrote in there was, you know, a book on satellites would sell. Um because um, you know they they are, in my opinion, something that we have not utilized enough in more recent years in poker. I mean, they yeah. really do sell that Cinderella dream of you know an amateur playing with the big the big boys and stuff. So, and satellites were the only format of poker that I considered myself still to be quite good in. I, I had a good friend um, who works with poker stars called Nick Wright, who sort of told me about satellites. 12 years ago and how soft they were and the basic strategy and stuff. So it got to sort of 2019. It was pretty much New Year's and I was kind of in that New Year's mindset and I was thinking, like, I've not written a book and this mental game of poker thing has pretty much bought me a house. So maybe I should do more books and <laughs> um, kind of thought, well, I can't write it on my own because I'm not good at poker. So I knew Dara was considered the absolute authority on satellites at the wow. time. And he and I didn't know each other particularly, but I've always had a respect for him. I knew he was a very, very diligent student and, and teacher of the game. And he was pretty much the only person I would have contacted. So I just contacted him. And luckily enough, he had a similar kind of admiration from a car, a far kind of attitude uh, towards myself uh, and without knowing me much at all he said sure yeah let's do it and very cool so we did. Wow, excellent it's a great story so how, how would you say the experience of working with Dara who is obviously you know very different background professional poker player was similar to or different from working with Jared who obviously comes from you know a completely different professional field of of psychology 
Yeah, well, in terms of the um, one thing that Dara and I are very different with than Jared and I is he's very much the same ethos as, as me when in terms of just like, let's get this done, let's do it right away, you know, let's get let's get it done in a week, you know, like we're very, very productive, very, very, um, we'll just jump on, we're not, right, I'll be careful how I say this, we're, neither of us are perfectionists, but he's very diligent and thorough with his his, 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 his rigor and his, his maths and his, his uh, the sort of work, work ethic that he's got. So, in in that respect, it was great because we wrote it significantly quicker than we ever would have wrote Mental Game of Poker. Um, the tougher part of it is psychology is um, not as mathematically rigorous as the you know the maths of game theory, optimal poker. And oh yeah, it, yeah. It was very. I am lots not of charts. Lots of charts. That's right. I I am not. <laughs> particularly gifted in that area i'm very much a monkey see monkey do kind of guy it's like everyone seems to be raising you know half pot i'm going to raise half pot that's 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 my kind of thing so that was the difficult part in it i there was a lot of times when i was just like i was getting tension headaches from just like squinting at my screen going right okay so it's pocket sixes but pocket fives can't do it and just all that stuff so it's um i like to think that we turned a very um difficult mathematical um endeavor into something very digestible for the reader but to do it was tested the limits of my brain power and this for the dara it's just like you can just do it while he's like doing two other things at the same time so it's uh-huh. a very very different um mental makeup between the two of us in that regard so gotcha. yeah okay big test of the maths well obviously that book did pretty well too so you and dara you followed the same formula and then you go ahead and you tackle PKO strategy. So I'm kind of wondering, was this kind of like, you know, they, they filmed the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they have lots of scenes ready for movies number two and number three while they're filming number one? Or was this just like, okay, let's move on to a completely separate project? No, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Um, <laughs> what happened was um, I got quite good at satellites as an obvious side, side effect of, of writing that book. What surprised me was I accidentally got quite good at PKO tournaments without ever discussing PKO strategy with Dara. And that is because, um, let's say if you have regular uh, tournament strategy in the middle, satellite strategy will take you to the extreme end of ICM where everything's a fold and you can be very aggressive because everybody should be folding. And PKOs are the complete opposite end where everything's a call. You can be really loose. You can be really aggressive. So mm-hmm. I found myself in lots of spots where I'd be like, well, in a satellite, this would be a fold. But in a PKO, I bet I could call with this terrible hand. So I, I kind of I kind of twigged that when you understand one aspect of ICM, you can, you can apply it to some very, very different aspects. Um, I mentioned this to Dara and then found out that he was basically going with the same, having the same epiphany. In fact, he'd been coaching some people on this. Wow. And, um, and he, um, he was starting to um, realize that the, he was really good at satellites because nobody put the same amount of study into satellites as him back in the day. And he was having the same kind of aha moment with PKOs uh, about 18 months ago. He was studying them in a way that not many other players were studying them at the time. So, you know, between the two of us, we kind of came to the same conclusion around the same time. His a very high level one, mine a very kind of um, recreational player kind of approach and it just uh, it was a natural fit and we'd, we'd only just finished the satellite book and you know right. the the formatting and stuff everything it was all still fresh in the mind so yeah it really was like two back-to-back marvel movies i do like that analogy very cool <laughs> it's trademarked so we'll talk afterwards about that okay beyond beyond having your finger on the pulse of poker for so long obviously you know as you've mentioned uh you obviously learned a ton of extra poker and mental game skills from Jared, from Dara. And, you know, we mentioned you do play a bit online and you've seen some notable successes in the past couple of years. So go ahead and brag a little. 
Um, yeah, I'm a winning player now. I think that's probably the, the main thing I could I could brag about. Uh, brag about. I'm not a big winning player. I'm I worked. I kind oh, of. Oh, I saw a five figure score there. Yeah, but that was that was that was definitely an outlier. I I I, I did have a fifteen thousand dollar win in. A, actually, I'm got I've got to say because it's plugging both books. So I um I played in a five dollar satellite that won me a five hundred dollar seat into a party poker tournament. Which was, and then I thought, right, I'll play a PKO as because it was party poker, so you can choose which tournament you play. It wasn't just one, any specific one. Mm-hmm. So I decided to use the ticket in a PKO tournament because I kind of thought, well, if I get one bounty, it'll be like hundred and twenty dollars, yeah, and that's pretty good return on my five dollars satellite win. Um, and I ended up coming second in it for fifteen thousand um, dollars at a very fortunate time because I literally just moved house, so that paid for all the furniture. Great. So really, my wife won fifteen thousand dollars. If I'm being honest, um, and I uh, around about then I went on a bit of a heater where I I was sort of yeah. coming sort of first and second in, in quite a few PKO tournaments. Um, great promotion for the book. Like yeah. there was a real there was a period where Dara just couldn't believe how many. Um, how many sort of podium finishes I was having in them. And uh, then I kind of died down a little bit for a That's better part of a year. But the um, but the last year, um, I'm proud to say that I am a small winning player. I work, I think my own rate is something like, if I'm honest, four euros an hour. It's not spectacular, but it's, it's a hobby that pays me. So yeah, and it's better than losing four euros an hour. You know, most players, you know, they've got budgets rather than bankrolls. So, you yeah. know, you're fortunate to be on the other side of that coin. Uh, and the reason I bring it up, not just, you know, to, you know, for you to toot your own horn. Fact is, you know, I, I imagine this is the type of story that a lot of players could, you know, either resonates with them or inspires them as well to go ahead and improve their game. You don't necessarily need to be a poker professional. If you put in the work and you put in the study, then you can also be successful, um, even at, you know, a small win rate. But if you're doing it for fun, then, you know, it's nothing, nothing more fun than also winning while you're having a great time. Um, yeah, I, I would say um, the fact that I was creating content as part of my study, because my, my only real study was creating content with Dara. Sure. And I actually think that's a really good way to learn, because if you look at the guys who are on Twitch, um, some of those guys have gone from being okay players who stream to fantastic players. Yeah. People like Ben Sprague and Finton Hand, like they were, when they both joined PokerStars, they were just good players. But I kind of think that because they've been in such a um, sort of all eyes are on them environment, I, and if you look at them now, they're absolutely fantastic players. And I think the creating of content has made them better players. Um, so, yeah, I'm comparing the guy, Finton, who won 200 grand last week to me, who wins four euros an hour playing poker. But well, of course, we've yeah. got to do the the shout out to Fitton. He was in episode number 27. He was our interviewee. Hopefully at some point we'll get uh, Mr. Spraggy on as well. Um, well, 2020 was a tremendous boom year for online poker. And 2021 uh, looks to sort of be something similar for the live poker scene. Are you kind of itching, you know, now that they, you know, they've let you guys out uh, to get out there, strut yourself back at uh, dusk till dawn and win all the pounds? Yeah, but I cannot wait to go and be bored at a live poker table. Um, no, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. They, um, they unfortunately closed uh, one of they closed my favourite card room in Sheffield, where I'm from. Mm. Um, but I am forty miles away from Dustal Dawn, so I will be going there quite soon. Um, yeah, I'm desperate. I'm desperate to go. Like I, um, I've worked from home for twelve years. Yeah. No, more than that. Wow, 14 years. Um, and uh, funnily enough, just before lockdown happened, my New Year's resolution was to get to more poker events because I was I was I was staying in the house too much. Uh, so I was like, right, I'm gonna go to an event a month, you know, a few two two international events every year, something like that, you know, yeah. and, meet, and then you know, look, we know we know what happened. So I am even more keen to do that than I, as I was uh, a year ago. Excellent. Well, I hope they open up uh, soon and that you'll be there and, you know, go ahead and be bored while winning four euros or pounds an hour. Um, how about that international travel? You know, it's been ages, uh, if I recall, since you've been out 
to the Las Vegas for the World Series. You know, they have now, they don't, we don't have the exact schedule, but we know it's going to be September 30th through November 23rd. You're going to dip your toes uh, across the pond a little? Um, not, probably not this year. Uh, my wife and I have kind of made a commitment to, um, we don't particularly want to go abroad this year because unless everything's opened up again, I don't want to go and sort of experience a pandemic version of sure. freedom in another country. Uh, having said that, I'm sure Las Vegas will be as close to pretending COVID never happened as, as anywhere in the world. So <laughs> like, we have people in this country that are like, uh, so, so as you, as this podcast goes out, we will have been allowed to go abroad for two days. And there's people in this country that will go and fly to Portugal that first day. Yeah. Even though, even though like, there's a really good chance they might have to quarantine when they get back or something bad could happen and stuff like that. Personally, I just can't wait to go in a coffee shop again. I can't wait to go to the cinema again. I'm looking forward to going uh, for a friend's birthday. Like, I, like my holiday this year is going to be just doing the normal things that I've missed for the last 40 months. So I want to do Vegas and the other places when, when everything's actually completely opened up again um having said that you know like if if an opportunity comes around or uh, if if i'm bored suddenly in, in this country i will change my mind but i can't see any international ha travel happening until early next year all right well verbal is not binding here on the show but uh mm -hmm. you know it's good good to leave your options open um, uh, we are allowed to go to israel in this country though it's one of the 10 countries we're allowed to travel to so come visit you know I can come visit. That's good. I'll pick you up at the airport. And that is a promise, not a threat. Um, there aren't too many folks, uh, like we've said already, in the poker media core who can say they've been around as long as you have. I mean, 2004, 17 years. Obviously, that takes versatility, persistence, uh, genuine love for the game and the industry. And yes, we've got to put in there a little bit of luck along the way, but it's mostly the other stuff. Um, what sort of advice would you like to impart uh, you know, aside from, you know, everything you've already put on your Poker Media Pro blog, you know, someone who's watching or, or listening to this podcast again and sort of says, you know, hey, this, this sounds pretty cool what Barry's done with his life. I'd like to do that. Maybe I can't necessarily hack it at the tables, but I want to be involved in this industry. So, you know, anything to, to sort of share with them? Um, I'm not sure really where it comes to like the, you know, longevity or something like that. I mean, I mean, ultimately, I guess I would say you have to I, you have to follow some sort of project where you're the boss and you are compensated for your time. Like I, I work for Packer Strategy, absolutely love them. But having the books where you know the more successful the book is, the more successful I am, that is a massive motivator because you don't know when you could be fired. You don't know when. <laughs> Uh, people don't want to read websites anymore. So, you know, your your, your job is, at, is, is is not sort of uh, really paying the bills anymore. So I, I would say you've got to, I think you've got to follow something where you see you will benefit if it goes spectacularly well. And then I, I'd say also just follow whatever interests you. Like I, I've heard a couple of times I've had job offers that many people in poker would have just, bit your bit your hand off to take but mm. for whatever whatever reason it hadn't interested me um so i said no whereas writing a book on satellites that actually interested me so i i pursued it and you're just more likely to stick with the things you're not you're not going to give up on them it's not going to get sort of sour or boring if um if you're in sort of charge of your own fate as it were so that'd be my advice kind of have a stake in your own success in that regard i like it wise words so uh, we've got one more question that I've prepared, and then we're going to move on to the second segment of the show where our uh, wonderful Cards Chat community has prepared some questions for you. Uh, Barry, this is a question we like to ask all of our player interviewees, but since you're such a, you know, a friendly guy and you've spent some time at the felt, of course, who is the friendliest player you've ever had the good fortune of sitting with at the felt? Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm fortunate. There's been lots of them. Um I yeah I'm telling you I've, I've 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 got a good one. Um, you you'll probably know them. There's a like if there's one person who's been around poker longer than I have in the poker media industry, it's a it's a chap called Tony Kendall, known as oh, sure. TK in the yeah. UK from Sky um, Poker, right? Sky Poker, 
big, big part of the poker community, this guy. He's a good friend of mine. Um, I haven't had many mentors in poker because I uh, poker media wasn't a thing, so I was one of the first guys. But he was like a kind of – he was someone I looked up to big time. And um, he's worked with a lot of um, live poker ventures in the UK that encourage amateur players to come out and have a good time. And he's always – friendly and really, really good fun at the tables. And in particular, uh, my mother got into poker a little bit and she just once wanted to play live poker. And I didn't know where to take her because unfortunately, there's a lot of card rooms and places that I kind of think this will be a horrific experience. Mm. To be perfectly honest, for any woman at the poker table, you know, there's there's things that can be improved in that regard. And there wasn't many places I wanted to take them, except for uh, Tony Kendall's, uh, one of his websites, Blonde Poker Forum, UK Forum, a very friendly forum. I'm a member of it. And they were having a tournament called the Blonde Bash. And I was like, right, this is a friendly environment Mm. for, uh, you know, elderly woman to go and play poker. And I I took my mother to Dustal Dawn and she was lucky enough to um, share a table with Tony. And he was spectacular spectacular as a host he got everybody at the table talking to him every time someone new joined the table you say hi this is millie she's um uh she's new to the game so she might be a little bit slow you've seen the really good weather we're having in the uk right now (laughs) (laughs) um so yes he um he's lost the fun and in particular he welcomes anyone new to the Italians. He's a real hero of mine. Brilliant. Excellent pick and a great story. Shout out to TK. All right. Well, in this segment of the show, we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. Of course, we've got a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, we give you the chance to go ahead and send in your questions. Our first question comes from Acid Burn FX. Always asks some very interesting questions, very creative ones. Uh, Barry, if you could invent something, what would it be? Poker related or just in general? Um, I don't know. Um, what's my biggest problem? That's, that's what, that's what this is. <laughs> Um, I guess, oh, do, do, do you know, something that would make me younger. Uh-huh. I, 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 I'm, I'm 41 now, and the last year or so has been the first time that I've kind of noticed, like, the real sort of, like, time catching up on me in some regards. Like, when I was, when I was uh, up, up until about 18 months ago, if I went to the gym a lot, I'd, be, I'd have lots of energy and I'd be a little bit thinner and I'd look a little bit better. This is the first time that I will go to the gym like sort of four days in a row and feel older and less fit by the time I've um, I've come out of it. So, yes, something that would take me back to like when I was 23 years old and uh, in my prime. Fair. I would That's say the key is not going to the gym and you'll avoid that all that great feeling. Um, Shells, another great, very active member of the Cards Chat community, asks uh, some more conventional questions. Um, Barry, who is your hero in poker or otherwise? Um, well, definitely Tony Kendall, who I mentioned uh, previously. Um, to be honest with you, and again, sorry to plug the books and sound uh, sort of sycophantic, but Dara is, is, is def- genuinely one of my heroes. Mm. Um, for many reasons, but for one of them being that he actually started playing poker at 42. Wow. And he is, you know, considered one of the intellectual powerhouses of the game. Um, he kind of, he kind of proves something, which is that it's not your age at the poker table, but the kind of the way that you picked up the game. So he, he started playing poker at 42, but he started on the same trajectory that online players did. Right. So. You know, whether it's like a 21-year-old student or a 42-year-old software engineer, which is what he did, um, he uh, he kind of proved that it's it's not your age, but, you know, how you sort of approach the study of the game. So I, I, I guess like Dara is one of my heroes, yeah. I like it. It's just a number, after all. Um, next question from Shells. What would you consider your favorite thing in poker? I don't know if it's my favorite thing. But something stuck out to me today, which I thought was fun, right? I don't know if you've seen, but at, at the time of discussion, um, Jason Kuhn has offered a $2 million 
to, he claimed he um, he's 35 years old and a a, um, a former college college sprinter. Yeah. Uh, everyone who I know says he's a very athletic guy, and he said on online the other day, uh, this weekend that he thinks with a year of training he could uh, run 100 meters in 10.9 seconds, which is fast, obviously. Yeah, and. A bunch of Twitter people came out and said, no way, no way, you're 35 years old, absolutely no chance. So he basically just said, I will bet $2 million I can do it, right? And then suddenly, um, I don't know, by, by the time this podcast comes out, it's, we'll, we'll know if the bet got taken up, but suddenly the narrative changed to, Jason Kuhn, he's such an athlete, you know, like, you know, if he dedicates a year to it, you know, don't bet against him. So my answer to that question is, I kind of love the fact that we have this thing in poker where if someone really believes something, they will just say, I bet you, yeah. I will bet you this. And it's a great way of just sort of showing your conviction in something and shutting people up. Right. Yeah. We could, if you, if you go onto Twitter at any time, people are arguing about socialism versus capitalism or atheism versus the theocracy or something like that. And no one's ever going to be persuaded by the other person. And sure. they'll just argue until they're blue in the face. But when in poker, we can say, I bet you, I will bet you £1,000 that you're wrong on this. And, it will, <laughs> you know, it will either stop the argument, it will see the argument come to a conclusion, or at the very least, you'll respect the person for... Um, uh, sort of making the bold gesture if they pay off, of course. I love it. Fantastic answer. I love that. Uh, we've got one final question also from Shells here. Um, other than yourself, who is your favorite author? Ooh, um, yeah, loads of, loads of good ones there. Um, I really like a British guy called John Ronson. He's like a he, um, if you've ever watched a Louis Ferrou documentary, it's kind of the book version of that. He like throws himself in very, very unusual, uh, sometimes dangerous or weird situations. Um, I like Malcolm Gladwell. Um, who have I been reading? Uh, oh, um, there's a, if, if you're into crypto and stuff like that, there's an author called Dominic Frisbee who I've quite enjoyed this this uh, this lockdown. Um, yeah, loads of people. Uh, but but I'll, I'll go with uh, John John Ronson. He's very funny. We will accept that answer. Well, thanks so much to everyone who sent in questions for Barry Carter. And again, just a reminder to all of you in our Cards Chat community, we'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forum. So please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes, spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Barry, before we go, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um. No, I am. Um, I am literally hoping now to have a good few months of just doing fun stuff. So I'm really kind of hoping that you won't see me that much on Twitter or anything in the next couple of months because I'll be too busy enjoying myself. But um, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me if the um, if in about four weeks' time I'm just posting tweets of my dog like nothing ever happened. So yeah, uh, hopefully you'll see me out having fun rather than uh, doing stuff. I love it. Very good. Well, Barry, thank you very much for joining me. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.